0: to come and to speak to our hearts. We're here because we want to know you. Not just know about you, we want to know you. So Lord, as you speak to us, speak to our hearts. Reveal yourself to us. Holy Spirit come, in Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Uh, We're in week three of our series, Divine Direction, and um, um, I guess I just skipped the intro to that, but that's okay, (laughs) the video we had. Um, But we're asking the question, we've been looking at, at, at and answering the question, what does God want? What does he want me to do? What does he want from me? You know, some things are really easy because they're just black and white, right? Some things you look at Scripture and it says, do these things, you know, right? Pretty black and white. Or other things it says, stay away from these things, all right? Stay away from these things. So those things are are, are black and white, but there are many things that aren't that clear, at least on the surface. And last week we talked about uh, uh, how to get uh, wisdom to discern, wisdom to discern what I'm to do, what, you know, the way to walk in that. And we talked about Three steps that will help us discern, uh, help us develop wisdom to discern. Walk with wise people. Surround yourself with wise people and walk with the wise. It's one of the best ways to develop wisdom because the people that you are around have an influence on you. So walk with the wise. And second, ask God. Ask God for wisdom. And then. Decide and use your best judgment. You know, he gives us the ability to to discern and to judge. So so walk with the wise, ask God, and decide using our best judgment. Today, we're going to learn from Paul's experience in following the leading of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at at a portion of Paul's life. In Acts 20, uh, Paul is in the city of Ephesus. You know, he's been ministering there, he's training up a young man named Timothy. To take over the church to 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 pastor the church there when he when he leaves and you know he's doing well you know he's doing well in ephesus he's he's uh uh, he's in his element he's he's teaching and he's training up timothy he loves what he's doing and and you know what he's doing what he's called to do and he loved the people there and then the holy spirit speaks to him and says paul it's time to move It's time to move on, and let's read about it in Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 22. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. I want to look at four steps this morning, or four phases that we go through when following the Spirit's prompting. And the first of these begins with just that, the Spirit's prompting. There's a prompting of the Holy Spirit. Paul says in verse 22 there, he said, "...now compelled by the Spirit." I'm going to Jerusalem. Compelled by the Spirit, he was fine where he was. He was doing what he was doing, but he felt a stirring in his spirit by the Holy Spirit. And the stirring kept growing. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt a stirring in your spirit that you were supposed to do something or that something was about to happen? When we were still living in Fort Wayne before we moved to Bloomington, uh i i i felt a a, a stirring in my spirit this is around um uh, eight, uh, uh eighty six around eighty early eighty six There is this stirring in my spirit that, that 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 just kept growing it just kept growing and and uh, uh, uh that that a change was coming in fact you know, it started as I was in church and I was listening to a sermon. There was a guest speaker speaking, and I was listening to the to the message, and 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 something inside me just started to come alive. And there was like this stirring in my spirit that something was going to change. And I got the sense that around spring, the spring was going to be pivotal. Spring was going to be key in my life. So that spring comes, and that's when the Lord put Bloomington back on our hearts. It had always been on the radar, but always for some time down the road because we, we knew that we'd be back here. And so, you know, it, it was in the spring that that year that that God really started um, bringing it to the forefront again and, and and burning my heart. And we started praying, started praying about Bloomington. We started visiting the town again, you know, made several trips here uh, uh, to the city. And, and I, you know, just discerning, praying and discerning about moving us here. And then it was in that fall that we actually moved. So first there was a prompting, and then there was the, you know, we, 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 you know the, the spring came. We sensed, yeah, okay, I think God's calling us to Bloomington. I think this is the time. And, that, and then, you know, we prayed. We had a season of praying and a season of, of, of asking God. And, and then we ended up moving just a few months later in, in fall. When the Spirit prompts you, you just get this sense in your spirit that something is up, and it starts small, but then it grows and it grows in intensity and it grows in clarity. We started with as a, a, what started as a small stirring progresses to a to a vague thought, clouded in certainty, and soon it begins to increase in clarity and pull. The picture for compelled in the Greek. When you feel compelled for something, the picture is that of a of, of a cord that's wrapped around you and it's just pulling you in this direction it's a cord wrapped around you and it's just pulling you. I kind of liken it to this you know when i'm um uh, uh, maybe out somewhere walking among a bunch of stores and a bunch of shops or or maybe i'm at home in my living room and uh uh and all of a sudden just I sense this. <laughs> this wafting of fresh baked bread coming through the air fresh baked bread just just filling the air around me. And, and it's like I have this cord that's wrapped around me because I'm just pulled to that. If I'm sitting at home in my recliner, I get up from that recliner and I start moving to the kitchen. If I'm walking them along the street among stores, you know, also I start looking for a bakery. I look, start looking for somewhere that's got fresh. There's nothing like the smell of fresh baked bread. Can you almost smell it now? You want to go home right now and bake some bread just so you can sit there and, and and just take in that aroma. It just, it's compelling, right? It's compelling. Or for those that maybe are a little off and don't like the smell of fresh baked bread, how about when you, like, eh, every day at lunchtime and dinnertime, when I leave the office and I start driving home and all of a sudden, there's this place over here in the corner, Burger King. Now, I know it's fast food, but there's this smell that comes out of there, those burgers cooking, that just kind of draws you to the place, right? You know what I'm talking about? All right. All right. I feel compelled in my spirit to go to Burger King and a bakery for some. I don't know. Anyway, it's 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 the compelling in spirit. It draws you. You're you're pulled by it. You're compelled by it. And that's how it starts. The Holy Spirit. You just get this sense that I got to do this. I'm I, you know God. Something's happening. I got to do this. Starts with the prompting. Second step is what could be called certain uncertainty. Certain uncertainty. He didn't know all the details. But Paul says he was compelled by the Spirit, and then in the second part of verse 22, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. He says he was compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. He knew that's where God was taking him. He was certain of that. That was clear, but he didn't know what was going to happen to him when he got there. See, we rarely, as the Lord leads us, we rarely uh, uh, know all the details about any time that God moves us uh, somewhere. And it seems there's always more unknown than there are knowns, right? But you know what I've learned in the times of certain uncertainty? I've learned that I can be okay with the unknowns as long as I know the one who's leading me. I don't have to know what all is out there as long as I know, okay, God, I know, I, I sense your spirit prompting me, compelling me. I know you're leading me in this direction. I have no doubt about that. I have no idea what's going to be out there when I get there or along what's going to happen along the way, but I know you're taking me there. I'm fine with the uncertainties as long as I'm certain of the one who's leading me, all right? And that's why relationship with God is so important. It's not enough that we just know all this stuff about him. Knowledge alone is not what fosters trust, the kind of trust where you can go into the unknown. Relationship fosters trust. It's when you go through experiences with God and you build those experiences with the God where he shows himself faithful and he shows himself trustworthy. He reveals himself to you over and over that you build a history of trusting God. I can trust him to face this because I know that he's he's been with me in these times in the past. And for every experience that you go through where God shows himself faithful and shows himself trustworthy, it increases that in your life, that ability to trust. Trust is what enables me to follow the Spirit's leading into uncertain times. Look at Psalm 119, 105. It says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for For my path. God's word shines light on the uncertainties of our current situation. God does not leave his people in the dark. He does not leave us in the dark. Do you need light for the situation that you're in right now? Get in his word and ask him to shine the light in your situation. Now, as you do that, recognize a couple of things. Realize these things. One, it's not a spotlight. God's Word is not a spotlight that is going to shine far down the road. It's not like high-beam headlights in a car so you can see what's you know, all the way down the road or what's at your destination. It's not a spotlight. But neither is it a floodlight where it reveals all the details of the situation surrounding you in every direction what is it it's a lamp for our feet it's what shows us what the next step is i can take the next step his word is showing me you know it doesn't answer all the questions of what's going on doesn't answer all the questions of what's way down the road but it answers the question of where to put my foot next it's a lamp unto my feet And that's all I need. I don't need to know everything that's down the road. I'm not there yet. I just need to know where to put my foot next. Now, you want some certainty? Here's a couple of things that are certainties. One is that God will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. He will guide you step by step. So forget about eliminating all the uncertainty because it's not going to happen. There will always be an element of uncertainty as you follow the Lord and as you follow the Holy Spirit's prompting, There will always be an element of uncertainty somewhere. Besides, if you're not living with a little uncertainty every now and then, then you're not living by faith, and if you're not living by faith, you can't please God. Faith is always required in following Jesus, always. So you start with the Spirit's prompting. You're compelled by the Spirit. It's more than an urge. It's more than a strong desire. It's something inside you. You just know you're supposed to go in this direction. You're compelled. You're certain. And yet you're surrounded by uncertainty. You know the direction. You just don't know what awaits you once you start taking steps. But that's okay. I don't have to know what awaits me because I know who awaits me. And all I know and, or I, and I know that He not only waits for me where I'm headed, but He's walking with me along the way. And if I know that, I'm okay. I'd rather know that than be uncertain of that and and, and see clearly all my surroundings. I would rather be certain of the presence of God with me. And that's good because the the third step that you follow in leading with the Holy Spirit is predictable resistance. Predictable resistance. It's predictable because you will encounter resistance. So rather than, be, rather than be surprised by resistance, you can count on it. You can predict it. You don't have to fear it, but you know it's going to be there. Paul said, I'm compelled by the Spirit to go down to Jerusalem So I'm going, even though I don't don't know what's going to happen to me there. And then he says this in verse 23. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me, prison and hardships are going to come. Prison and hardships are facing me, he says. He says, I don't know everything that's going to happen, but I know I'm going to face some difficult and challenging times. I know it's not going to all be puppy dogs and ice cream and f- fresh-baked bread. We've got to rid ourselves of the notion that every time something bad happens to us, that God is punishing us. We've got to rid ourselves of the idea that that when trouble comes into our lives, it's because and we, and we, that we start thinking, oh no, what What did I do wrong to bring on this? Now, there is a truth that our actions have consequences. We're not denying that. But some of us have a mindset that every time something goes wrong, God is punishing me for something that I did. And remember what we did a little while ago here when we celebrated communion? We talked about the Lamb of God and we talked about the, you know, the the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross He's already paid the price for everything wrong that you've done. In the past, in the present, and in the future, he's already paid that price. So we've got to get past this idea that that if something is going wrong, if I'm hitting hardship, if I'm hitting difficulty in my life, that it's because (coughs) I did something wrong. Resistance is not necessarily an indication that you're not in God's will. Often it's an indication that you're doing exactly what God wants you to be doing. Anytime you commit to following the leading of the Holy Spirit, you can rest assured that you will encounter resistance. You can count on it because we have a very real enemy that wants to stop us from walking the way that God directs us. Jesus never promised that we would never encounter hard times. It's not evidence of lack of faith. In fact, nearly every time you step out in faith and try to do something, you will run into resistance. That's why the Bible says so much and talks so much about persevering. You have to push through the resistance. You might ask, well, how long do I have to persevere? How long do I have to push through? I wish I could tell you in an answer of days, weeks, months, years, but I can't. But I can tell you this answer. You keep pushing through, you keep persevering until you break through, until you get through. A lot of times we hit resistance and we think, you know, I must be doing something wrong, I must be heading the wrong direction, and we quit. And when we quit, we've just let our circumstances dictate our obedience. I'm convinced that we often quit just before a breakthrough. We quit trying when, if we would have pushed just a little bit longer, there was a breakthrough waiting for us. Now, I want you to picture, I want you to picture some imagery of the word breakthrough. Breakthrough does not mean that the resistance or the opposition stops it means that you break through it. You push past it. Instead of letting the opposition continue to put the pressure on you, you turn the tables on it and you keep putting the pressure on the enemy until the enemy breaks. Scripture tells us, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. As a believer, you're the one who has the power in him. You have the power, so there's no reason for you to give in to the pressure or to the resistance. What you need is confidence to use that power, to know that it's yours. What happens is as you push through the resistance, then you're building spiritual muscles. And as you build and strengthen your spiritual muscles, it becomes easier to break through the resistance the next time and you're able to break through greater resistance. If you let resistance stop you, then it becomes that much harder to break through it the next time because you've already conditioned yourself to quit. So first comes the Spirit's prompting. Next comes certain uncertainty, and then there's predictable resistance. But with the resistance then, and with pushing through and breaking through the resistance, comes an uncommon confidence. It's a confidence that propelled paul forward in spite of the resistance he went on to, to you know to write most of the new testament he planted churches all over asia minor and and you know how was that possible how could he do that you think you know paul must have been a been a master of strategic planning right he must have really he had a team he must have gathered a team and and you know developed the best five-year plan or 10-year plan for going down the road he must have been a, just been a master of that right No, I'm not against strategic planning. I think it's great, but here's Paul's plan. He didn't have a plan for the future. He had a plan to obey the Holy Spirit today. Did you catch that? He didn't have this plan for the future. I'm sure he thought about the future. He didn't have this plan, grand master plan, five, ten years down the road, you know, plan for the future his plan was to obey what the holy spirit says today and doing that resistance couldn't stop and we see why in acts 20 verse 24 he says paul says however i consider my life worth nothing to me my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the lord jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of god's grace That's it. He was focused. He put everything on into daily obedience to complete the task. How do you run a race? By taking one step at a time. He didn't let the resistance get him down because he considered this life worth nothing if he could just attain his goal if he could finish the race nothing else mattered except running across that finish line and breaking the tape nothing else mattered except getting across that 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 yard of bricks on that 500th mile seeing the checkered flag i finished I finished. I finished the race. I did what I was given to do. Every day he did whatever was required of him without a second thought. His life wasn't about him, so whatever it took, he was willing to do it. When Jesus, when, when, when Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he encountered God's grace, and then he spent the entire rest of his life telling people about the good news and the power of God's grace. Wherever he went, whatever situation he was in, whether he was preaching to many, or whether he was in a, in a jail cell chained to two Roman guards, he never stopped doing what he was about. <laughs> Whenever he sensed the prompting of the Holy Spirit, he just acted on it. He didn't have to know the details. He he knew he would encounter resistance, but none of that mattered. The only thing that ultimately mattered was doing what God put put before him to do. He had met Jesus, and that's what gave him the confidence to do what he knew Jesus gave him to do. You know, when we get to the place where the only thing that matters is to do what the Lord gives me to do, and we're not concerned about what someone is going to think about us or not concerned about, you know, what we we don't care what kind of sacrifice is required of us or we're not just, you know, trying to be important and be somebody and build a name for ourselves. When we get to the place where, where none of that matters, that's when the church of today will start to impact the world around us like the early church did. So when you sense a prompting of the Holy Spirit to move forward, Don't listen about, or, or don't worry about not having all the details. Just press in in spite of the uncertainty. Persevere or, or, or persevere through the resistance. When resistance comes, just persevere through it. And obey with confidence in the one who's directing you. I wonder. Is the Holy Spirit prompting you to do something now? Is the Holy Spirit prompting you? Have you sensed that stirring? Have you sensed that prompting? That I believe the Holy Spirit is, 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 is saying, I, if you're sensing that prompting, it's okay to check it out. It's okay to, to, to say, okay, God, is, I think this is what you're saying. Is this what you're saying or not? But then once you know, just go ahead and do it. Begin to take steps that way. When God called me into ministry, it was a prompting that started. And my first thought was, no. You know, it's like, that can't be me. At all kinds of reasons. That can't be me, Lord. But he kept saying it. He kept through all different kinds of sources confirming it until I finally just said, okay, Lord, whatever you want. Once I knew it was him, then there w- really wasn't a question. Once I knew what he was doing, once I knew how he was directing me and I didn't have all the answers. I didn't there were a whole lot more answers that I didn't have than I did. What is the Holy Spirit prompting you to do? I want to encourage you, once it's confirmed step out and begin to do it. In spite of the uncertainty, persevere through the resistance, and then obey with confidence in the one who's calling you to obey. Let's stand. I'd like to invite our worship team back up. And I just want us to pray while they're coming. Father, Father, I pray that we would all be sensitive to the prompting of your Holy Spirit. When you sense a stirring in our, when you you put a stirring in our hearts, help us to understand that stirring and to, to hear it, to be sensitive to it, and to know when it's you or when it's anything else trying to stir us up. Because, Lord, we just want to hear you. We want to listen to you. Lord, I thank you for Phil Stroud, our national director, that he sensed a prompting in his spirit to call the movement to this 40 days of prayer and fasting, to prepare our hearts for the national conference coming up. To prepare our hearts for it, and and Lord, we are expecting and anticipating your Holy Spirit to move, not just in that conference, but beyond it. Lord, we don't want it just a one-time experience. We want to walk in the fullness of your power. We want more than one time experience. We don't want just a visitation. We want a habitation. So, Lord, we pray to you now and ask you. Come and visit us. Come and pour out your spirit upon us as individuals, as a church, as a movement. Pour out your spirit upon us. Revive our hearts and use us to accomplish your plans and your purposes as individuals, as a church, and as a movement. Lord, we don't want anything less. So Holy Spirit, come. Wherever we've been, it's not what matters, it's where you're taking us that matters. So take us forward with you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.